When I met my friend, I was a sophomore in college and she was a freshman. Actually, I think I met her when I was a freshman and she came to visit the, the college that I went to. Um, and then when she came to the same college, we became really fast friends when um, she arrived. We were teammates um, on a basketball team and just became really, really fast friends immediately. I think it was really like having a sister uh, for the first time. I didn't have any um, sisters. I had one brother and it really felt that way. It was just immediately easy. We had a lot in common. We were both born in the same state and in college in another state. Um, and I think it was also the awareness um, that we were both lesbians um, and it was a different time, should I say, mm -hmm. in, the, in the 70s. Um, and so there was a, a knowing in that connection that went even more deep, I think, than if we had not been lesbians. Mm -hmm. mm. And were you able, to, and do you, was it just a knowing or did, did you, were you able to share that with each other immediately or was that something? That's a great question. It, um, at that time, we really didn't talk about it. Mm. And so it was not an immediate conversation, probably an immediate knowing. And we joke now about sort of the gaydar of, of those times, you know, and you, you just kind of know. Um, and certainly at some point it became very, very clear. And I love that you say sisters because I think best friends, I mean, absolutely. You say family. Oh my gosh, your family, you're with me. You understand me. Oh yes. And especially I would say I've really been thinking a lot about that part of it. Um, because as a lesbian, um, you know, we, the sisterhood was really different. It was our chosen family. Mm. For many of us, our families really weren't accepting. Um, right. We couldn't be ourselves with them. Often they were rejecting. And so our, our friends were, were family to us. They're people that we celebrated holidays with and that we, we anchored our lives in because mm. it was safe and we were understood and could be ourselves there. Oh my gosh. Um, perhaps others who are in marginalized groups or feel like they have to hide um, feel the same way. I, certainly the world is different for me now than it was when I was, you know, a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, but those friendships were, you know, even, even more important than family. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. How did you see or feel yourself while you were in this friendship? I was a year older, and um, I think I, I felt a sense of being really seen and cherished as an older person, kind of like an older sister, or um, I know that my friend really looked up to me, or at least I had the impression that that was the case. That was my 19-year-old self thinking that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I really, I really felt adored. Um, mm -hmm and prioritized and important. Mm. Yes, I mean, mm -hmm. yes, that's what I want to mm. feel. I mean, I think that's, yes. I, it's just, I mean, why wouldn't you love this person? Yes. We spent a summer together at Oxford um, and there were three of us, uh, my friend and another friend, traveled, backpacked all through Europe, sleeping in parks, sleeping on trains. Um, that was certainly very, very memorable and, Lots of fun times, you know, road trips for spring break, uh, going to her hometown for one spring break and joining her father at a Shriners party and, you know, 
just sort of having a wild and crazy time as young college students with these old men Shriners and dancing <laughs> around the room and having, you know, a train that we're leading and these, you know, young teenage women who are mixing with this older crowd, mostly of white men, honestly. And, you know, just a lot of freedom and fun uh, craziness. God only knows how we lived through all of it. Um, but we, we did a lot of really significant things together. Uh, I graduated from college first and went to law school. And then she graduated the next year and went to law school. So there were, there were a lot of really significant um, experiences that we shared and transitions, life transitions that we shared with each other. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like rites of passage, my goodness, like traveling the world. And then, and so the friendship continued past college onto graduate school, which is. It did. Big. It did. So from the time, I guess I was 19, she was 18 until our, our mid twenties. Um, we were, we were very, very close. Okay. And so, so when was, when was, um, how far into the friendship, it sounds mid twenties is when things started to crack a bit and fall they apart. Sure, yeah, they sure did. They actually fell completely apart. Um, oh, gosh. so it was yeah mid twenties. So our, our circle of friends was similar. I was dating someone, um, that my friend became very close to as well. And the friend circle that I was in with my girlfriend included her. Mm. Um, and it was when that, when I ended the relationship with my girlfriend that the friendship ended, which was a real complete and total shock to me. It was probably mm. on the phone or in a letter. And she said, I, I'm not, I don't want to pick up the pieces anymore the self that experienced this probably didn't have this awareness, but I'm sure I didn't. I had multiple girlfriends in college um, from one relationship to another. So she was, it was understandable that she felt that way. I can say that now. Um, at the time, I think I was just shocked. And I think the truth was also um, that she just really enjoyed being in that circle of people and had more in common with them at that time in her life. It was painful right. for sure. And I think I, I, I know I carried the awareness of the loss with me for at least six or seven years until we reconnected. I think I honestly was just in such a mm. bad place in my own life at the time that I continued to make really bad relationship decisions. I just uh, was really lost. I completely understand that. I mean, I, I think survi my survival skills and choices when I was younger and how I survived my family was you cut things off, cut things off, cut the feeling off, find another, there's another playground, to, another person to play with, just keep moving, keep going, keep going. And um, so I, 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 I understand that. That's, yeah, yeah. Um, and... You, I, I heard you mention that you then did come into contact again. What went on with you just during during those years before you became in contact with them? Were you able to start processing, or were you still sort of in the same um, behavioral choices? My uh, relational choices and. I'll say impulsivity uh, continued for, for a lot of years, actually. And 
thankfully that that changed later in my life as I faced some of the really significant traumas I had in my life as a as a young person you know, I had trauma after trauma after trauma in the first 17 years of my life and I didn't have the awareness of how that affected my relationships and my ability to bond and um, to the, the extent to which I was really seeking everything outside of myself. Um, so I continued to move from relationship to relationship and just searching for something that would fill the void, you know, mm-hmm. that sense of I don't belong in the world, you know, for so many different reasons. Thankfully, there was, it was not, uh, it was a playful kind of reconnection. Mm-hmm. It was, I had some uh, new friends um, who were also lawyers in the town I lived in. And we were going up to Washington, D.C. My friend lived there at that time. And we were just able to reconnect in a really light and fun way. It went out to a bar one night and just danced and reconnected with a sense of lightness. We, we never came back to talking about the separation, actually. Oh, what, what was it? Did you know that she was going to be there when you were going to this yeah, we made a plan actually to see each other. And it was after a number of years of being away from each other. And we just, we didn't talk about it. We did express happiness at seeing each other. There was a genuine joy at being together, but we didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And who reached out to who? Do you remember that detail? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great question. I think I did actually. Okay. I think I knew that we were going up to um, a club or a concert or something in the Washington area, and I knew that's where she was, and so I reached out to her, and she was very open um, to having contact. That makes me happy. Like, okay, so you, there was a coming back together, and then what happened after the coming back together and that event? Did, how did you leave it? Was there anything? We reconnected and continued to maintain sporadic contact for a number of years. And that's the way it is to this day. That's, that is, that's a happy ending to me because, you know, sometimes people do not stay in our lives. But for me, I, I, the reason why I'm doing this podcast is I've had four of my best friends, um, I'm no longer friends with. And unfortunately, I don't think I could reach out to them. The breaks were not good. And uh, I think people felt betrayed, which is very sad. And so I love that. I feel like that you're still friends with this. You're still friends. You're still friends. Just a different type of friends, a little more loose, maybe, would you say? Or how would you put that? Yes. Yeah, we're still friends. And I think it, it, uh, it helps to be 30 plus years, you know, down the road from it. And it helps that I have done an incredible amount of work on myself. Mm -hmm. It helps that I see my part Mm -hmm. in what happened. Mm -hmm. I probably didn't at the time. Mm -hmm. And it helps. This is maybe an odd thing to say. I know at the time, it probably helped that I had a level of codependence that, you know, I didn't much care that I felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there was some subconscious way that I, that I knew that I had a part. I don't remember having that awareness at the time, honestly, mm-hmm. 
but this was my family. And um, I don't know that she handled it especially well, Mm -hmm. but she had a right to continue to be friends with people that she wanted to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think I just didn't care about the betrayal that I felt at some point, mm. the friendship was more important to me mm. because of the longevity and the, the history of, uh, was pretty deep mm. the, the time that we did share. Mm. And I'm very imperfect person and had a lot of growing to do. And, and I accept that about myself. Um, again, having some distance does help. I'd love if you would, if you feel okay to share what that process was and how did you how were you able to go within and start figuring out all that was going on with you how did you change how you were as a friend i think the the good fortune of having a significant period of time alone Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and having that the full weight of everything come come crashing down on me which is a really good thing. I came to provide full-time care for my mother, who was a really difficult person in my life. And mm-hmm. I came face-to-face with myself uh, mm. alone without anything outside of myself to make me feel better. I did a lot of grieving, uh, a lot of healing of past wounds and traumas, things that I just marched on from. And that was good that I could do that. Uh, mm. We have those strategies we develop as children young people uh, a great teacher of mine calls them loyal soldiers and those loyal soldiers you know of protection and shut off and defensiveness and pretending as if it doesn't matter emotional withdrawal those are those are loyal soldiers that served me so well as a child and helped me live Mm-hmm. And it, there came a point in my time where they weren't serving me anymore. It was a blessing that I had nothing to distract me from the pain of that. And so I went through a lot of really, really hard times. And um, really good friends were still there for me. Uh, and that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, I've always valued friendship because as a lesbian, again, you know, that was my, that was my family. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just me growing up and having a chance to heal from some of the significant traumas in my life that kept me from being emotionally available. Mm-hmm. So I just feel really fortunate that I said yes to doing the hard work of dealing with past traumas in my life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the thing that I mean, because I say, oh, that's so courageous. But I think sometimes we have to get so desperate. And, and it sounds pretty remarkable that you were then with your mother, it was almost like you were living, you went back in time to like, go back to figuring to f- living some of those, like the soldiers, the, the soldiers, the loyal soldiers were probably very much alive while you were with your mom. And I mean, it was, is, am I making this up? I mean, I'm making this up, but this is what oh. I'm wondering, because I think it's almost like you've created a drama of going back in time, a time machine. And I would say my, I mean, I love my mother, but my mother is very much a part of my breakups and friends and my choices and friends. Um, so how does, oh. how does all that sit with you or figure oh, yeah. into your story? Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, the, the, the tendency that I had towards codependence um, was definitely rooted in 
my relationship with my mother and my my the story I had my whole life that it was my job to fix all of the things that had gone so terribly wrong in her own life and it wasn't um, but that was my story and you know she supported it in many ways and and my own traumas supported it too so I do think that you know the biggest the thing that's changed my friendships the most is that I am fine on my own mm. that I I cultivated my own strength my own independence um, and I don't anymore have unreasonable expectations of my friends I have the best friends I can imagine anyone having at the stage in my life and I think it's really because I'm healthy I'm devoted to my own um, life I think it gives me the capacity to show up in a different way than I did. I feel like we are kind of soul sisters in some ways. Like the, what, mm -hmm. how you're describing yourself, I could say, yes, oh, mm -hmm. yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of survival mode and our loyal soldiers, I think, would would have been friends or our friends somewhere yes. on some plane. Um, <laughs> and I... I just I I th I think what you're saying is so huge of how do you know I mean I always think it's the question is how do you know what need is too much to put on someone else and is yours to take care of and that's why I did like a little oh yes I because I think I put my weight on my, like my whole entire weight on certain friends and go take care of me instead of well, actually, maybe a gallon of this is what need, you know they can help you with, but the the rest is yours, baby. Like, come on, come on, sure. Yeah. This is this is yours. So I, I just, I mean, that just, I mean, that just opens up things to, to when you when you know that a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'm sure that's what I did to my friend that I lost, mm. um, without having any awareness of it. Mm. I know that I expected her to hold it all. Um, and I never, ever thought it, it would be too much. Mm. Never occurred to me. And that's, I'm not happy about that. It's, a, it's where I was when I was 19, right. um, 20, 21, 22, you know, longer than I wish, but I didn't know that, right? right? And, um, and that's what I know now. And I, I think one of the things that's really been instrumental in changing all of my relationships, my friendships, my marriage, has really been learning how to communicate about my wants and needs mm. and doing, doing my own work at being able to even articulate what I need. Mm. I don't, I don't think that there's ever, um, I don't think it's ever bad to be able to articulate what you need. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think it's essential that you be able to say mm -hmm. what you want and need. Now they're not always the same, right? And what I have learned in my later years is that that doesn't mean that the other person needs to meet the need. It means this is the awareness I have right now, and it would be great if you could show up for me in this way. Mm -hmm. And being able to hear no. Mm -hmm. I really can't. Mm -hmm. That's really true for me. I really can't show up for you in that way right now. Mm -hmm. And knowing that ultimately it's my responsibility to show up for myself mm -hmm. um, and that it's not a solo thing. I, you know, I don't, I do think that I need to be my own best friend and I uh, ascribe to that language. And I also know 
for myself. Uh, we're not meant to do it alone. Mm. We need people to support mm-hmm. us. I need to be able to say, I don't want to have friends in my life now, honestly, who don't care about what I need from them. Mm. I want friends who are able to hear me articulate honestly what it is that I need from them. Mm. I want friends in my life who will tell me what they need, Mm. who are able to call me up and say, Mm. it would really help me if you showed up for me in this way today, Mm. or I just want you to listen, Mm. or I really need some advice about this today. Mm. Uh, Just in my own, as my own capacity to express first, to know what I need, even deeper than that, to know what I'm feeling. Okay. What am I feeling today? Uh, It took me years to cultivate the capacity after shutting myself off because of trauma and abuse from my feelings. It took me years to cultivate the ability to speak to what I feel. And I think that I've seen that um, capacity grow and need to grow in other women. I think we, I, I don't like being stereotypical generally, but there are some generalizations that we tend to we don't necessarily see our own feelings and needs as being a priority and learning the language of that, um, learning to know what we're feeling, where it lands in our body. How do we care for ourselves? How do we articulate it? How do we speak to our partners, our friends um, about those things in a way that's not, that doesn't make it be a demand, right? I don't know. I don't respond well to demands and I don't, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think other people do either. So yeah. it's really helped me to cultivate the language mm. of asking for things, feeling comfortable asking for things. And then the vulnerability of that is really huge. Being able to hear, I can't. Being able to hear, no, I've taken many classes on how to communicate the things that I want and need in a, in a way that's loving and kind has really transformed my relationships. I I have learned how to be a really good friend to myself. And it makes me a better friend. And it, it is not to the exclusion. I'm not an island. You're speaking so much truth that I'm just, I'm, I'm like soaking in it. I just, I so appreciate all you're saying. And I just, just to sort of, sh- you know, shine some highlights and things. I love that you say that your choices in friends are different and more informed. Uh, you have become friends with yourself and have a friendship with yourself. Um, tools of saying, knowing how you feel. Cause I, you know, I trained as an actor. So, you know, in my early thirties, one of, uh, one of my best friends who I'm no longer friends with said to me, you need therapy. I was like, I don't need therapy. I know how I feel. I've taken acting classes. I know how to do this, but I didn't know how I felt. I knew how I thought, I knew my story, but I didn't know how I mm-hmm. felt. And I find mm-hmm. that normally when I ask, you know, if someone's going through something, I'll say, how do you feel about this? They tell me how they think. I don't think we are a culture that talks about, that, that teaches us at early ages or even later ages of how we feel so that when you say that there are classes that you took, where, what, like, where can people find classes like this? Are they actual schools or are they, I mean, I know a lot of people say therapy, but I love that you're saying classes. Mm-hmm. Where, where can we find these? Oh gosh. I'm so thankful to have found, I think one of the most gifted communicators um, 
on the planet. And his name is Oren J. Soffer. And he teaches nonviolent communication through, through a, a Buddhist wise speech lens. It's not a religion. Buddhism is not a religion, but it's, um, it's really going through all of the steps of nonviolent communication through a lens of wise speech. And mm -hmm. it's changed my life. I, I think every person on the planet would benefit from learning how to talk about what matters to them, mm. how to express their wants and needs in a way that's not a demand. And there's a whole chart of feelings. In fact, I just printed it out for myself recently because I can, I'll continue to cultivate these skills all my life. Mm. Because when I look at the range of feelings that I had words for in you know, a decade ago, it was a pretty small number, sad, mad, uh, angry was not even allowed to be in the mix. Mm. Um, uh, you know, sad, mad, uh, afraid, uh, worry, a very small number of feelings I could name. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly trying to grow that awareness, mm -hmm. you know, of, okay, what is this really frustration, mm -hmm. uh, envy, mm -hmm. um, for women and for traumatized people, I think women tend, again, to put the feelings of others before themselves. And we hear these messages, depending on who our families of origin are about, you know, these feelings are okay, these feelings are not okay. And anger was definitely not feeling that was okay. Emotion was really not okay for my mother, who couldn't cry, couldn't access so many of her things that and my emotions were so huge. It was like, you know, the message was always that I was too much. It's too much. It's too much. And so, you know, there's skills we can learn. Um, and Oren teaches a lot of online courses. He's written a book that's called Say What You Mean. That really helps you learn how to have conversations, how to speak from your own place of personal truth. I don't know how I would be navigating in the world I know it would be different if I didn't have those skills. So they're, they're skills that can be learned. Yeah. They can be taught. Yeah. I love that. I will put this in the show notes, um, Oren's, Oren's name and the book as well. Did you, going back to this friendship, did you ever talk about it even after you healed? We have never talked about it. I lost people early in my life, um, very abruptly, uh, really significant separations without any warning. And so mm -hmm. keeping people in my life has been a theme that's not as significant now since I've done so much healing, but I don't want to leave the planet with anything unsaid. It's really important to me that I take full responsibility um, for all of the harm I've done in life and make amends where I can. So we have never talked about it. We just moved on. And that's okay, I think, for me. Um, it's especially poignant, though, for me right now, because the mutual friend that was, you know, my old girlfriend that my friend chose, right, just recently died. And in the process of that, I did try mm. to make amends to her <laughs> and, um, mm. and uh, she wasn't open to it. She didn't want to hear from me and that's fine. Um, I would have gladly said, gosh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. 
that I didn't know better and that I, you know, left our relationship in such a really bad way, just walking away like that. I regret it. And I would have said I, I was sorry. So it's made me think of whether there's something I want to say to my friend after all these years, it's been a, a lot of years. And I think, I think there's not. And I'm, I'm grateful to know that because one of the things I've learned is that there are some friends that are in your life for this reason. And there are some friends that are in your life for that reason. And I no longer have an expectation that I don't want to minimize the friendship when I say this, but I had a friend who said, you know, these are your poolside friends. And I thought, oh, what does that really mean? I was offended at first. And I think what she really meant is that these are your friends that you just hang out with and have fun with, you have history with, you enjoy each other's company. And they're not the people to have, you know, you may not want to call them if you want to explore some of the trauma of your life, because that's just not, not where they're, where their capacities are and there's no right or wrong to it but recognizing that there are some friends that you know you, you you hang out with them and you have fun and it's great and that there are some friends that you take the long walk with and have the really deep more meaningful more vulnerable more honest conversations with um, but I have an awareness of who are the people in my life and why are they there and I don't expect things from them that they're not able to give. Mm. Um, the relationship, I think, is where it um, needs to be for right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love this friend dearly, and I have so much affection and gratitude toward the time that we had that was formative for us. I needed this kind of friend in my life at that time. Mm -hmm. And I can feel the kinship and sisterhood and family of it and the home of it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's okay that it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like, I guess the word that keeps coming to my mind in all that you said, which is so beautiful and wise um, is, and hard earned um, is acceptance acceptance of yourself, acceptance of who you are, acceptance of what you want, acceptance of who someone else is. One of the most important things to me is that I not judge other people for who they are and that I accept them. And I, I fully, fully have the awareness in my life that people, some people are just meant to be there for a period of time and it's okay. Mm -hmm. I, one of the most valuable things for me now is to recognize, you know, if it's, if it's gone, it wasn't meant to be here for the long haul and that's okay what my mind is going to is we are in a consumer culture and consumer culture is not about letting go. So you're, I mean, you're a revolutionary, I feel in, in this world. Uh, it's not about letting go. And I, I think I know for myself that I have learned from hanging on to things mm -hmm. that were not healthy longer than I should have, that there is a lot of wisdom in recognizing this has run its course. And, the thing that I, I think it would be so helpful to everyone in the communication skills is that how do we say that? How do we show up in a vulnerable way and, and say really what my friend said unskillfully maybe um, was, I don't want to pick up the pieces anymore. That was the, a really honest thing for her to say. She didn't say, you're a mess. Um, you know, you're messed up. You need therapy. She said, I can't do this. and 
um, it was, you know, as I look back on it, maybe that's what helps me know that, okay, that's fine. I see that it really was. That was a very true thing that she said to me. And if we have that capacity to say really true, hard things to each other, like, you know, maybe this is just not the way we want to go here. I need something different. And I love you. And I'm so grateful that we were in each other's lives. And I don't think that happens very often. I think more often we just sort of gently, maybe not so gently, just move away or abruptly separate because we can't really articulate what it is that's missing. And maybe that's okay. You know, it's just, it's with the passage of time that I'm even able to, to have these conversations and it's with my own growth and healing. How do we, how do we have kindness towards ourselves when we don't do it perfectly? Thank you so much for joining us. Please follow, rate, and review on iTunes and share with a friend who may be going through a heartache over a friendship lost.